welcome to Chi Alpha. If you're here for the first time, thanks so much for being here. Uh, we're a big family. It's how, how we like to run Chi Alpha. We love Jesus, we love each other, and we love hanging out together. And so thanks so much for being here. A uh, couple uh, quick uh, family family business items that I want to just touch on real quick. Uh, Wanda Clough, I don't know where you are. There you are, right there. Uh, this this woman has, uh, has birthed and raised two of the finest campus missionaries in all of Alaska. To, so please, uh, please give her a big warm welcome and big round of applause. If you don't, if uh, if you don't know, Wanda is Quentin and Olivia's mom. So, uh, so yeah, that's that. Uh, Scott's back for spring break from uh, from from med school, so that's exciting. So welcome back, Scott. Uh, and uh, yeah, we have uh, we're gonna be praying for some people that are gonna be going on some missions trips. We're gonna do that that at the end of Chi Alpha tonight, and so we're super excited about that as well. And so. Lots going on this week in Chi Alpha, so yeah, we're we're excited about that. Uh, this weekend was an exciting weekend for me. Uh, it was actually last weekend. Uh, I uh, participated in the Tour of Anchorage cross country ski race. Uh, did did anybody else do it this weekend? Seriously, y'all are slackers. Me and Macy, me and Macy raced in it. All right, go we go, Macy. Uh, I, you know, it was a, let's just say it was a humbling experience. <laughs> I, uh, I looked up the results at the end because you're not really sure what place you actually come in. Uh, I, got, I got beat by a 71-year-old man by a half hour, <laughs> okay? So uh, if, ever you wanna, if ever you're struggling with pride, just throw a pair of cross-country skis on, and you're going to get probably beat by a 70-year-old man in the Tour of Anchorage. Uh, I also got beat by an 11-year-old. Uh, so it's just, you know, it's pretty amazing. I started the race, and uh, somehow I ended up in, like, the like the top spot in the, the tracks, you know. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going out hard, you know. I'm going to be winning this thing for at least a few seconds. So I just, like, go out hard like, yeah. And my friend Jared was there, and he shouted, you're winning. And I'm like, yeah. And then I got passed by a lot of junior high girls. Let's just put it that way. All right, it was every single time I just like felt my manhood meter just like go down. And uh, it was a humbling experience, but it was a lot of fun. And I am constantly amazed by what some people can accomplish. You know what I'm talking about? Like, uh, and so I started doing some thinking. Um, and uh, I really like sports and I like stats. So I looked up some things because some of the times that people were coming in at for the Tour of Anchorage really impressed me. And, uh, and so I start looking up some other statistics. Do you guys know? Do you guys know who Usain Bolt is? You guys know who that is? So Usain Bolt can, if if you clocked him at his max speed, the guy can run twenty-seven point eight miles per hour. You guys know that? That's really fast. All right. Uh, another impressive statistic that I found was this guy named Ryan Kennelly. Uh, it holds the world record for the the most amount of uh, or the the greatest amount of bench pressing. Uh, he be he can bench press one thousand seventy five pounds. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's scary. Uh, that's like yeah. Anyway, I don't even know, man. That's crazy. So, but probably the most the most impressive. I'm kind of like a 
I, I, I've always been like more of an endurance guy, more than a sprinter guy. Uh, definitely more of an endurance guy. More surprisingly, it might, this might surprise you based off of my body build, but uh, I've actually been more of an endurance person rather than a bodybuilder person. Uh, probably didn't see that coming, but uh, but there was so marathoners. Marathoners really impressed me. Did you guys know that the world record marathoner ran a marathon in two hours and two minutes and fifty-seven seconds? Okay. Now, how many of you in here have ever ran a seven-minute mile? Okay. How many of you have ever ran a six-minute mile? Okay. How many of you have ever ran a sub-five-minute mile? Raise your hand. Okay. A couple of you. All right. This guy, his average mile pace was 442 for 26.2 miles. I, I do not understand that, like, at all. Like, I can't even wrap my brain around how that is humanly possible, right? And so I was thinking about that today, and it got me thinking about how the human body is pretty amazing, right? Like, our, our bodies are pretty amazing. We can push ourselves to do things that uh, some of us, you know, when you, sometimes you do something, and you're like, wow, I did not know that I had that in me. But eventually, no matter who we are, even if we are the world record marathon racer, eventually there is a limitation on what we can do with our human body, right? Eventually there is a wall that we are all going to hit. Sometimes the wall is sooner than later uh, based off of the amount of training that we do. But eventually we all hit a wall. We all hit a limitation because we are limited, finite beings, right? And the problem is, is that in our lives, a lot of times, those limitations kind of, like, show up and hit us in the face sometimes. You know what I'm saying? Like, something happens in our lives that's really hard, and we just don't know if we're going to have the strength to be able to get through it. Or someone comes to us, and they need advice, and, and we have no idea what to tell them because of something that they're walking through, and we, we're kind of at a at a loss for words. We have no idea what to say in a moment. Or something terrible happens in our world and we feel like what, we, there's some disaster or something that happens and we feel very small in that moment. We say, what is it that, that I could ever do that would really make a difference? My ability to help is pretty small, right? But the beautiful thing is about our limitless, or our, our limited lives is that there is a God that exists in this world that is limitless. And that his power has no limit. His power is limitless power. And that limitless power, because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, that limitless power lives in us and works through us via the Holy Spirit, which is pretty awesome. And so if you're in here tonight and you're like, man, Steve, just... You talking about a marathon made me really tired. Uh, just know that that there is, I, I want, and we're not talking about using the Holy Spirit to help you run a marathon tonight. But what I want you to know is that we, in our limited being, in our limited strength, in our limited power, we have a God who makes up for that and then some, and then more, then infinitely more, right? And yet sometimes we put limits on him ourselves, right? Because we are limited beings, sometimes we try to, we put a limit on God. We put a lid on God. And maybe it's because of misunderstanding. Maybe it's because of a lack of faith. 
Sometimes it's just because of forgetfulness, right? We just forget that we have a God that loves us and that wants to work through us in miraculously incredible power. Because we just don't keep it on the forefront of our mind very often, do we? Because we get busy, we get distracted with the world, we get distracted with what we are doing, and we just kind of forget that God promised us some really bold, really awesome things in our lives. In John 14, 12, it says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater. Everyone say greater. They will do even greater things than these because I am going to be with the Father. Now, how many of you would agree that Jesus did some really great things? If we study the Word of God, we see that Jesus did some really awesome things. He walked on water. He multiplied food. He turned food from one thing into another thing. He was able to open blind eyes. He was able to cast out demons. He was able to, uh, you know, have crippled people walk. He healed people. He he uh, healed leprosy. Oh, uh, he actually raised someone from the dead. Oh, he raised himself from the dead, right? <laughs> That's pretty awesome stuff. And so we read this we read this verse, and when we think about it, when we look at it through the lens of everything that Jesus did, this is a pretty darn bold statement, right? That even greater things than these you will do because I am going to be with the Father. You guys remember last week when we talked about the Holy Spirit? And last week, if you weren't here, we talked about the Holy Spirit and how the who the Holy Spirit is. That He is He is a part of the uh, a part of God. That he, God is three parts: Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Son being Jesus, and Jesus talked about how I am going to the Father so that the Holy Spirit can come to you. And that's why Jesus is able to say this, is be saying that, hey, even greater things, the Holy Spirit is going to be able to accomplish more through all of you than he ever was able to accomplish through just me. It's a pretty bold, pretty awesome thing to say, right? And Jesus also says in Mark 16, verse 17, he says, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and they will, uh, and then they will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. They will play when they place their hands on sick people. They will get well. There's some like weird stuff in there, right? And uh, there, what Jesus is trying to say here is that there's going to be miraculous power that is released on you when the Holy Spirit comes to be within you. When I send this person to you, the guy that we talked about last week, the Holy Spirit, his power is going to come on you, and you're going to be able to do things that you never imagined possible. In Joel 2, verses 28 and 29, I don't know if we have that verse or not. We do. Awesome. And afterward, it says this. And afterward, now this is in the Old Testament. It says, and afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. So what, what this prophecy is saying is that, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to come. It's not just going to come on one person. And the Holy Spirit's going to come on everybody. And it's going to be awesome because the power of God is going to be on display in people and through people. Pretty neat, right? 
And Jesus confirmed it with his with with all of his teachings. And then when we look at the book of Acts and we look at the rest of the Bible after Jesus dies, he gets risen again. He ascends into heaven and he says, now go forth and make disciples of all nations. See you later. We see miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. In fact, the word for power used in the Bible is a Greek word called uh, it's a Greek word by by the, the word dunamis which is where we also get the word dynamite from, all right? And the word dunamis, the power of God, is used 100, over 100 times in the New Testament. You think Jesus wanted us to use the power of God in our lives? He wouldn't have talked about it hundreds of years ago and then reminded us like a bunch when he was on earth and then reminded us again and then reminded us again and then sent, actually fulfilled the promise and then, and then was actually was good on his promise and worked through the disciples the way he worked through the disciples if he didn't want us to move in power. How many people think that's good news? I think that's pretty fun. God wants to move in power. Now, God's power is really for two things. It's for overcoming and it's for introducing. And what do I mean by that? God's power, you need God's power in your life to overcome the sin, the struggles, the hurt, the pain, everything that you walk through. It is for overcoming in your life. Everybody say amen. That's good news, all right? You have power. The power of God lives inside of you. The very God of the universe lives inside of you and wants to conquer the things that you struggle with every single day. Come on, people. That's pretty awesome, all right? Now, it's also for introducing because we see it time and time again in the Word of God. We have Jesus do some incredibly amazing miracles. We have the apostles and disciples do incredibly amazing miracles. And what happens immediately afterwards? People understand and believe that there is a God and that this God must really love them. If he's willing to to flow through power and being willing to actually move in their lives. Right. And so people come to know Jesus. So it's a way of overcoming the sin in our lives, and it's a way of God's power is a way of introducing people to God, which is I think is pretty awesome, right? And the Bible says that there's a lot of different ways that the Holy Spirit manifests Himself in our lives. When we, when the Bible talks about how when we overcome things, the fruit of the Spirit is in our lives. <clears throat> the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience. Gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, right? And the Bible has a long list, and we're not going to go over them all today, but the Bible has a long list of, of gifts that the Holy Spirit wants to work through us to allow other people to see that God is real and is among them and loves them, right? Gifts like prophecy and miracles and, and words of knowledge and wisdom and faith and healing and, and distinguishing of spirits and all of these really awesome things that we see time and time again exhibited in the Bible. And so we're going to look at one of these things tonight, and we're going to ask, ask ourselves some questions as to how to be able to actually wrap our, not wrap our brains around it, it's the wrong word, but be able to have a good enough understanding of the power of God to see it applied into our lives. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Acts 3, okay? Acts 3. We're going to have some fun in Acts 3 because this is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture. And uh, um, I don't know, is that okay to say, like, if you have a favorite passage in Scripture? 
I don't know. I mean, all scripture is great, right? I'm not saying anything bad about anything else, but but this is one of my favorite stories because I, I, yeah, I just really love this story. Okay? All right. So here's what's happening in Acts 3. Jesus has just come, he has just come back from the dead. He ascends into heaven and he says, hey, hang out here for a little while because my Holy Spirit's coming and he's going to equip you to be able to go and bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. And sure enough, the Holy Spirit comes. And then we fast forward a couple chapters. The church is starting to grow. Peter's walking around. He's like a, he's like a new man, dude. He is, he's got the power of God in his life. And the, the Peter that denied Jesus three times had just gotten up in front of thousands of people and led 3,000 people to Jesus in one sermon. Pretty awesome. Okay? So then we, we pick up Peter here in verse 1 of chapter 3. It says this, One day Peter and John, we're going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth. Keep that in mind. All right? Spoiler alert. This might not be crippled at the end of this story. All right? <laughs> was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he's put there every day to beg from those who are going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Now I want you to picture you I want you to picture yourself right next to Peter. You're just like like you're Peter's homie and you're just kind of hanging with him today, okay? You're standing right next to him, you're following him around. It's going to be really great. You're cuz Peter is is a pretty awesome dude and you're really excited to see what the, what happens here. All right? So he, when he saw Peter and John, he was a he looked straight at them or excuse me, Peter looked straight at him as did John. Then Peter said, "Look at us." So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, now listen to this, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. That's pretty bold, right? A guy's been crippled from birth. Everybody knows him. He's been coming here every single day at the same spot, at the same time, to beg for the money that he needs to live. And he... Peter walks by him this day, and he says, I don't have any gold or silver, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Now, at this point, here's me, right? I'm standing right next to Peter. I'm picturing myself in this story. I'm like, oh, what's going to happen, right? <laughs> like, you've just been told by Peter, man. Like, here we go, right? So taking him by that right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, everyone say instantly. Instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Pretty amazing story, right? If that doesn't get you pumped up about what God's capable of, I don't know, man, I don't know what will get you pumped up because this is a pretty awesome story. Now, I need you to just, I need to point out a couple things in this story because I think this is really important to understand. I am a biology major, all right? I, uh, that's what I studied when I went to college. I really like biology, and so when I look at this, I kind of look at it through the eyes of the biologist. This man had been crippled from birth, which means that he had probably never walked ever in his entire life. He had to be carried to this spot, which tells me that 
he probably had zero muscle in his legs. And so if you had been here this day to witness this miracle, you would have had to have watched muscle grow onto this man's legs before your very eyes. Now, listen to this. You don't just, like, learn how to walk overnight, right? And, in fact, if something happens, if you get an injury, we know that if you get an injury later on in life, that physical ter therapy sometimes takes a long time to get your legs working again, right? So this man had never walked. He'd been crippled from birth. Nowhere in his brain were any cognitive connections or neuro neurological connections that had been trained to be able to teach him how to be able to walk. It had never, those things had never been tied together because he was never able to do it. And so not only was the muscle back on the legs that made him be able to jump, but his very brain as well all of a sudden had the cognitive ability to be able to control legs, not to just wobble around and like barely like walk down the street, but to walk and jump up and down. And I think there's a reason that that word jumping is repeated in Scripture because I think that's pretty amazing. Some of us have a hard time with our coordination enough to, 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 to just jump, and, and we weren't, haven't been crippled from birth, right? It's like, Steve, I can't chew gum and play basketball at the same time, right? God, like, God, like gave this guy mental athletic abilities, guys. That's pretty ridiculously awesome. Do you understand how incredible of a miracle this is? And yet, watch what happens. Listen to what, how Peter responds to the people. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colony. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Think about that statement. Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you look at us as if by our own power we made this man walk? And he goes on to explain that it was because the power of God manifesting itself because of what Jesus did on the cross. He preaches the gospel. A bunch of people get saved. It's an awesome deal, right? But that phrase, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? We read this miraculous story and we think, wow, what an incredible story. And I think that that is a correct response. We should always be wowed and amazed by God. But Peter says, men of Israel, why does this surprise you? This is a small thing in God's eyes. This is a small thing in God's eyes. And the same God, the same God that did this, the same Holy Spirit that worked through Peter in order to be able to perform this miracle lives in every single believer in this room. The same Holy Spirit that performed this miracle is walking around the campus of UAA every single day. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why does this surprise you? So what can we learn from this? How can we become... Man, Peter saw the world differently, I think. And so I, wanna, I want us to ask ourselves some questions, and we're going to move through these rather quickly. 
There's four questions I think we need to ask ourselves tonight in order to be able to understand the Holy Spirit's power in our lives. The first one is this. We covered it last week. But do I understand the power source? Do I understand who the Holy Spirit is? We've been talking about this a lot, so we're going to kind of roll through this. But if the Holy Spirit is just a mysterious voice in our heads, we will not ever understand him. The Holy Spirit is not just your conscience who whispers in your ear and tells you, that's a really dumb idea, right? Yes, he, I believe that, yes, he is that, but he's so much more than that. He's so much more than that. He's also whispering in our ear. He whispers in our ears a ton of things. He's our teacher, our counselor, our revealer. He's our advocate. He's obviously, Peter understood that he understood the power source well enough to know that the best thing in this moment that he could give this guy was not silver and gold. It was the knowledge of a living God and the Holy Spirit working through him and the Jesus, the Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who made that power available. That's what he gave him. And so my question for you tonight is that do I understand, do I know the power source? Do I have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? Do I talk to him? Do I understand that he is the person of God that I am called to interact with? We talked about that last week. And so if you're wondering more about what that all means, I encourage you to take a look at our podcast on our website because we're not going to get into it again tonight. But we need to understand who the Holy Spirit is. Otherwise, the, the, the power isn't going to make sense if we don't know who the power source is. The second question is that do I understand my need for the power? Do I understand my need for the power? Or am I trying to do things on my own? Men of Israel, why does this surprise you? Why do you look at us as if by our own power we made this man walk? What does Peter do? He instantly deflects all glory and says, no, 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 this has nothing to do with me. This has everything to do with God. My need is completely in him. The, the very nature by which Peter goes about this whole thing shows you that he understood that living a life in a place where you need God is a pretty important thing. Right. So obviously he says in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Did the guy get up? No. Peter reached down and grabbed him by the hand and helped him up. If this didn't work, Peter was going to look like a fool. Right. But see, Peter understood that he was in he was in such a place of surrender in his life. He understood that. That, man, I need the power of the Holy Spirit, that, that if the Holy Spirit doesn't move, nothing's going to work anyways. And, and he trusted the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it himself. If we go back a couple chapters, in chapter 1, before they went out to do anything, Jesus actually, Jesus says this. He says, do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. These were the same people that Jesus just got done spending three and a half years with. They'd spent three and a half years with Jesus. You'd have to assume, oh, oh, and they watched their friend die on a cross and then get raised to life, right? You'd have to assume that they probably had a pretty good religious foundation. You know what I'm saying? 
Like they walked with Jesus for three and a half years. They they saw the miracles happen. And you know what he says to them? Don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until the power of God comes on you. Do you see how serious Jesus was taking this? And yet some of us, I think we do this all the time. Some of us try to serve Jesus without ever placing ourselves in a need in a needed spot in the Holy for the Holy Spirit. Guys, we can't even serve Jesus at a very basic level without the Holy Spirit. If you do not know the Holy Spirit, we cannot even serve Jesus at a very basic level. The Holy Spirit is a part every, is a part of every single part of you serving Jesus. And so we should probably get to know him and understand our need for him, right? We need him because we need overcoming to happen in our lives, right? We need power to overcome the stuff in our lives. And if you don't need power to overcome the stuff in your lives, well then talk to me about what 10-step, 12-step programs you're on to overcome your sin struggles because you and I, we're going to sit down, we're going to write a book, and we're going to make a lot of money, all right? Because there's no self-help in the world that is going to teach you how to, is going to allow you to be able to follow Jesus with everything that you have. You need the Holy Spirit. And if that makes you uncomfortable, you're like, ah, oh, no, I don't, I don't know. Then there might be some pride in here, right? I am perfectly fine with saying, you know what, Holy Spirit, I, 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 I need you. I need you. I'm not strong enough without you. And the fact of the matter is, is that we don't just need the power, but the world needs the power too, you guys. The world needs to see the power of God. I've, I, guys, I have seen so many people who did not know Jesus come to know Jesus because of the miraculous work of God in their life. Can I tell you some stories? Is that okay? All right, perfect. Uh, what I know in my life is that, that uh, if you talk to Aaron, my husbandry skills are directly correlational with the amount of time that I spend with the Holy Spirit. Right. If you talk to Erin, she will tell you that it's not necessarily stress that sometimes makes me a, 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 a bear cat to be around. It's not necessarily a tiredness or or hunger. All of those things. Yes, those things all get to me. But the number one thing that makes me to to not be the, the husband that I'm meant to be for Erin is if I'm not spending time going to the Holy Spirit every single day saying, hey, I need your power. Right. I. Uh, OK, I want to read you a story because this is really, really awesome. Um, so there's this missionary named John G. Lake. I don't know. Maybe some of you have heard him heard of him. He he was an old older guy. Uh, he was a missionary to South Africa. Uh, he went over there in 1898. All right. Uh, John G. Lake is one of my heroes. I think he is a really incredible man of God. Uh, one day, he had a God touch him in a really radical way. Just the power of God came upon him, and he felt like he was called to Africa. At the time, he was a very successful businessman. All right, like we're talking, uh, like if he was alive today, he would have been a multi multi millionaire. Uh, and uh, and God said, hey, I need you to go be a missionary in Africa. He sold everything and just went over there. He didn't really have a plan. 
which is really interesting to me. <laughs> he just said, hey, God told me to go. Let's go. He had a wife and he had seven kids. And he just put them on a boat and he said, we're going to South Africa. Let's go. All right. It's like, well, what's our plan for a house when we get there? I don't have a plan. God told me to go. So he just went. All right. Not necessarily the missional strategy that I would recommend for everybody, but if God says to do it, do it. But uh, come talk to me maybe first. So, uh, so it says this. Uh, <laughs> Throughout the voyage, we earnestly prayed about the subject of a home. <laughs> really a long time to, to stress. You're sailing on a ship to South Africa. We were faith missionaries. We had, <laughs> we had uh, neither room nor board nor friends behind us to furnish money. We were dependent on God. Many times during the trip to Johannesburg, we bowed our heads and we prayed and were reminded that God told us to come and that he would be faithful and that he would answer our prayers. Now listen to this. Upon our arrival in Johannesburg, my friend, who is also a missionary, stepped off the, stepped off, uh, the boat in front of us and I followed. I observed a little woman bustling up and down the deck whom instantly recognized us as Americans. She said to my, f my missionary friend, you are an American missionary party, right? We replied, yes. She said, how many are in your family? She said, there are four of us. Nope, she said, you are not the family. Is there any other? <laughs> he said, yeah, there's Mr. Lake. Addressing me, she said, how many are in your family? I answered, my wife, myself, and seven children. Oh, she said, you are the family. I said, what is it, madam? And I recall her answer. It was the Lord sent me here to meet you, and I want you to give I want to give you a home. I replied, We are faith missionaries. We are dependent on God. I have no money to pay you rent. She said, Never mind the rent. The Lord wants you to have a home. The same afternoon we were living in a furnished cottage in the suburbs of Johannesburg. The property remains to this day as property to the Lord. You see, guys, what I love about that story is that there was a lady sitting in her house praying, and the Lord spoke to her. The Holy Spirit spoke to her and said that there is going to be a group of missionaries, a family of seven getting off a boat today. You need to go meet them, and you need to go and tell them that you, you need to give them a house, Right? And it was so specific, and it was so exactly what the Lord wanted to do. And, and then you have on the other side of the story someone who is putting all of their faith and trust in the power of God to provide for them. Two people, the Holy Spirit working equally miraculously in both of their lives. One of them miraculously in faith, one of them miraculously in a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and in, 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 in incredibly supernatural generosity. That's pretty awesome, right? I don't know about you, but that's the type of Christianity that I want to live, right? Now, I'm not, don't, don't worry. Steve and Aaron are not getting on a boat to boat across the world anytime soon, right? But this is the type of Christianity that I want to live. I don't want to live a Christianity that I can do in my own power, guys. What is the fun in that? 
And so much of the stuff that we do, we could do without God showing up in the world, in our in the church world today. Guys, when is it that we're gonna that, that we will have a generation who rises up to say, you know, you know what? I'm going to be so bold and so courageous in my faith. I'm going to live a life so incredibly surrendered that unless God shows up, I'm going to crash land. I'm going to live my life in a place of need and dependency on the power of the Holy Spirit, or this is going to go poorly for me. That, to me, sounds like a lot of fun. That, to me, sounds like a life of adventure. That, to me, sounds like a life of miracles. I've heard it said this way. I said this at Guy's Night the other night, but we are a generation who wants to see miracles happen, but we are not willing to put ourselves in a position in which we need a miracle to happen. Of course, we all want to see a miracle happen. We all want to see somebody healed. We all want to have some, a story like John G. Lake's story to tell. But the only reason John G. Lake has that story to tell is because he, he put himself in a place that he needed God to move and he needed God to perform a miracle, otherwise he was going to crash land. The third question is, do I understand the availability of the power of God? Because you d actually don't need any credentials to be used by God. Really, the only credential that you need is to say yes to Jesus, to say yes to him as your Lord and as your Savior. I have watched God move through evangelists and teachers in front of thousands of people. Yes, and that's great. But I've also watched God move in dorm rooms. I've watched God heal people in Chi Alpha small groups time and time and time again. In fact, it just happened last week in Olivia's small group. Somebody got healed. Guys, God can move anywhere and everywhere, and we don't need credentials in order to make that happen. And so we have to remember that the power of God is not, we just don't need the power of God, but the power of God is available to you. It's not just available to pastors, preachers, teachers, whatever. It is available to everyone. Wherever the gospel is preached, signs and wonders will follow. Jesus promised us that. And so if the gospel gets preached at Chi Alpha, we can expect signs and wonders to follow the preaching of the gospel. If the gospel gets preached at small group, then we can expect signs and wonders to follow the preaching of the gospel. If the gospel gets preached at your kitchen table, at a, in your dorm room, in, uh, at, a, at a table here for lunch in the cuddy on a Wednesday, we can expect the power of God to show up and move, right? We can expect the Holy Spirit to be with us. Come on. And finally, the last question is, I, do I understand the responsibility of the power? Do I understand the responsibility of the power? Are we willing to be used or are we ready to be used? You see, if we really do, if we understand the Holy Spirit, we'll understand that we need the Holy Spirit. And when we understand, when we put ourselves in a position where we need the Holy Spirit, we will start to understand that, yeah, the Holy Spirit's got to be available to me. He is available to me. When we understand the availability of the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden there should be a responsibility that stirs up in our hearts, right? To say, okay, if I understand the power, if the Holy Spirit moves when I pray, then I should probably pray. And we have a saying in Chi Alpha that prayer is not preparation for the battle, it is the battle. When we pray, things happen. The Holy Spirit moves, right? And so tomorrow night at Shannon's house, you're not just like sitting around like singing kumbaya and feeling better about ourselves. 
We are making war against the enemy, right? And it is our responsibility as Christians who have had the Holy Spirit live inside of us to do something with the power that's inside of us. And it can be as simple as just spending an evening for an hour or two interceding and praying for people who do not know Jesus to know Jesus. Is really the, the, the greatest the greatest work of the you know what the greatest work of the Holy Spirit is? The greatest work of the Holy Spirit, the greatest miracle is our salvation. That's the greatest work of the Holy Spirit. When's the last time that we spent even just a few minutes a day praying for someone in our life that doesn't know Jesus? When's the last time we spent an entire evening praying for someone who doesn't know Jesus? When we've gotten out of bed early, when, when, when we've given up an hour or two hours of sleep, we wake up tired the next morning because we were making war the previous night praying that people would come to know Jesus. Guys, as Christians, we have a responsibility for the authority and the power that we have been given. And it's time we rise up and we say yes to doing something about that authority. Worship team can come back up, and if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I want to just uh, close in some prayer and some time to reflect on everything that was talked about tonight. Got a couple questions for you guys tonight. The first question is this, is has my pride stopped me from understanding my need for the Holy Spirit? Or is my lack of, maybe it's just a, a lack of wanting to get out of my comfort zone and place myself in a position of need. What has stopped me from needing the Holy Spirit? Question two is, has fear stopped me from tapping into the availability of the Holy Spirit? Am I fearful? Do I, do I not understand it? Can I not put the Holy Spirit in the box so I, can, I just have to like walk away from it. For some people, that, that's, a, that's a really big thing. Like, oh, I, I just I can't wrap my brain around this whole Holy Spirit thing. I can't put him in a box. So I'm just, I'm going to decide that I, I'm going to, until I can figure him out, I'm just going to kind of keep the power of God at an arm's length. And I believe that the Lord just wants to break down those walls and that we can't put them in a box. My last question is this, is has apathy made me ignore the responsibility for the power that's been placed in me. What has stopped me from putting myself in a position of need? What has stopped me from tapping into the availability? And what has made me ignore the responsibility? I just ask that you'd ask the Holy Spirit those three questions. I believe that maybe one, maybe two of them will be highlighted to you. As we worship here, we're going to sing another song. But as we worship, I just ask that you reflect on those things. And maybe tonight you just need to get to know the Holy Spirit better. And I believe that he's going to interact with you. And so we're going to pray and then we're just going to give ourselves some time to spend some time with the Lord. And let him work on our hearts. Lord, I just pray that if there's anything in me that's inhibiting 
understanding of my need for you, God. I repent of that. If there's anything that has stopped me from tapping into the availability of your power, God, I repent of that. Show me, God. Show me what that is. If there's anything that that is in me that is making me ignore the responsibility of the power that I have, God, I repent of that. I ask for your forgiveness for the times that I've not handled that responsibility as a good steward. And, uh, and Lord, I just pray for strength to change today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship in this body. If you need prayer for anything, we have a prayer team in the back. We'd love to pray with you. Uh, you can find your small group leader and pray with them as well. So just know that we're available for that. Thank you.